interesting faith story. So one of the ways that uh, Nathan has recently ministered to me was um, recently my, my dad passed during um, Mother's, Mother's Day weekend, which actually happens to be uh, another anniversary of my mom's dad. And so it's sort of, you know, it's, it's bookend, right? Um, and so I really appreciate not only Nathan, but the leadership of, of our church uh, ministering to me, praying for me as, as I led uh, the memorial service, the burial service, as well as uh, interment um, at the graveside. And so uh, it was a, as I would say, sweet and sour because I'm Asian, you know. Uh, it, it, it was a bit sweet and it was a bit sour uh, in that sense, but uh, I appreciate that ministry that they've been provided uh, for me. So, uh, but it was good. Uh, it, it wasn't uh, as the, as it was sad. Uh, it was also joyous as well because uh, my dad was passing on. You know, he was a minister. So, the first person that that I I saw preach was my dad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was I was in my mom's womb when he was going to um, seminary, and so uh, I he was my first preacher, and uh, and I've always uh, sort of said, okay, that's kind of what a pastor should look like as he's preaching, and so I've I've modeled uh, some of my um, how I preach uh, after my dad, and so it is it's about faith matters, you know, faith matters. Uh, that being said. Micah, you don't, you don't have to. <laughs> no pressure, brother. <laughs> anyway, we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount. And um, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 1 through 12. And you should have one of these. If you don't, uh, you can get it um, after, the, after the service out in the foyer uh, in Canada. You don't say foyer, you say foyer. Uh, so... You can get one of these out in the foyer, and uh, it'll come to come into play. The hope is, the hope is that maybe throughout this coming week, as school is ending, uh, as our busy sort of schedule is uh, is ahead, it'll remind us of of the fact that we are golden, that God is golden, meaning that there's value, there's value in not only in God's word, but you as a person, and dare I say, strangers that you come across, that they are valuable. So, uh, it'll come into play a little later on. But, back to our passage, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. This is what the word of the Lord says. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your eyes? You hypocrites, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearl before pigs. Least they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. 
knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father, who is in heaven, give good things to you, good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Amen. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus of Nazareth describes a new kind of kingdom brought in by him and by his gospel. He describes some of the character traits, if you will, starting in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are meek and hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then he describes for us some behavioral traits. You have heard, but I say unto you. He describes some movement of the heart. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. These character, behavioral traits, and movement of the heart dawns on broken people whose lives are open to the transforming power of his word, his life, and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, in chapter 7, verses 1 through 12, Jesus pulls the whole idea, whole sermon, if you will, the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher, pulls together in verse 12. And it says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Some scholars calls this Mount Everest of the Sermon of the Mount. And I agree. Here we are at the highest point. This one sentence has come to be known as the golden rule, right? Why? Because it's so valuable. This is absolutely brilliant. Jesus the Christ sums it up in one sentence, the laws and the prophets. No one has ever been able to sum it up so simply, simply brilliant as Jesus does. You may ask, really? No one? How about great teachers in history like Socrates or Buddha or Moses? Isn't Jesus simply repeating what others have already said? No, he's not. No one before him and after him says what he says in verse 12. A lot of people have said what sounds like what he says, but it is different. So, for example, Confucius says, he was asked, is there one word that could sum up a rule of life? He responded by saying, is not reciprocity such a word? What do you... What you do not want done to you, yourself, do not do to other. Buddha's hymn of faith says this, All men tremble at the rod, all men fear death, putting oneself in place of other. Kill not, nor cause to kill, 
All men tremble at the rod, unto all life is dear. Join as all men kill not, nor cause to be killed. Or Socrates, which stirs your anger when done to you by others that do not do to others. Or Tibius, what you yourself hate, do not do to others. Now, isn't Jesus saying the same thing here in verse 12? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Are they the same? I will submit to you that it is not the same. That all the other ethical summaries are actually negative and passive. That is simply refrain from doing to others what you do not want done to you. But what Jesus is saying is positive and active do to others as you want done to you not doing to others what i do not want done to me is not that difficult most of us can stand tall in such ethical exercise but do to others do to you what i want done to me that's altogether a different standard that is also very liberating. Jesus turns everything around from negative to positive, from po passive to active. It's brilliant because it delivers us from much ethical pain. Jesus, the lawgiver himself, says, For this is the law and the prophets. However you want to be treated, treat others the same way. So the question is, right? How should I treat my friend? Well, how do you want to be treated? And with that standard, treat other people. People ask me, man, I got no friends. And I go, okay, when's the last time you were a friend to your people? Right? Like, we tend to, and I find myself in this situation too, right? sit in a corner or stand in a corner and expect other people to come and welcome me and hug me and love on me. How about we turn it around? Hey, look for people that are in the corners. Let's go. Okay, don't overwhelm them, all right? <laughs> I know you guys are loving people. Don't you like rush you because, you know, us, you know, non-introverts don't like all, all these, you know, people around us. But anyway, but right? How do I treat friends? Well, treat them the way that you want to be treated. How, how should I treat a stranger? Well, how do you want to be uh, treated when you're new to a place? You want to be welcomed, right? You want me to talk to, interact. How about, how do I, how do I treat a lost person, right? You're just simply walking downtown, Saratoga, and the person's lost. Hey, I don't know where the bus garage is, okay? <laughs> I work in a bus garage, okay, I, okay. So anyway, well, if you know, then point them in the right direction. Guide them. How should I treat a person who is of a different race? If I were to pluck you and drop you off in Seoul, Korea, right? 
how do you want Koreans to treat you? Treat different people of different race the same way that you want to be treated. How should I treat my parents? Well, as a parent, how do you want to be treated by your kids? Listen, I know all of us have father issues, right? <laughs> all of us, intended or unintended. Do you want us to be side on, the, uh, on, on the side of unforgiveness, or do you want to be on the side of forgiveness? And on your deathbed, right, do you want to be surrounded by nobody, or do you want to be surrounded by your family to love on you? How do you want to be treated? Jesus is saying, consult your best interest. Then relate to others through your best interest. You see, when you do this, you find yourself outside yourself. And finding how to serve others in servant love. It's brilliant. That's way it's called. That is why it's called the golden rule. Right? Because it's so brilliant. It's so valuable. The mystery is solved. I guess I'm done. No, I'm not done. Why? Because there are 11 verses, not just 12, you know. There's 11 verses. You see, verse 12 starts with so, more literally translated, therefore. And when there is a word called therefore, you have to ask the question, what is it there for, <laughs> right? Therefore is there to point us to the word that comes before it. And I will submit to you that the 11 verses are all about how we want to be treated. So in verses 1 through 11, Jesus is telling us three ways that all of us want to be treated. First way we want to be treated is found in verses 1 through 4. Judge not that you be not judged. Right? Judge not that you be not judged. This is frequently quoted but frequently misunderstood. The word judge has a wide range of meaning, decree, esteem, go to court, sentence, think, conclude, determine. I agree with scholars who say what Jesus is saying does not mean that we should turn a blind eye to our neighbor's faults. He does not mean not to discern. He does not mean for us to suspend our critical thinking. I mean, think about it. We cannot function in a broken world without making judgments, right? Parents have to make good judgment. Do I send my 10-year-old out in the middle of the night to a party that's going to be with a bunch of college kids, right? That's not a good idea, all right, Kaylee? That is not a good idea. That ain't going to happen, girl. All right, so sorry. Too bad. Business people have to make good judgments, right? Citizens have to make good judgment between the blue, the red, the green, I don't know, whatever, right? Listen, it, election year is... <laughs> It's coming, and we as citizens of this great country have to make wise decisions, right? As a, a transportation director, I can't hire people who, while driving, 
give bird to other, you know, drivers, vehicles. I, 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 can't, I can't have, you know, bus attendant who punch uh, the, the student. I, I, just, I just can't, right? So you have to make good judgment. So what Jesus says, judge not, he is not saying do not make value judgments. Hasn't his entire Sermon on the Mount about discerning and calling us for us to choose wisely? So what does Jesus mean? Judge not. I believe it means do not condemn. Do not pass the final sentence. Do not pass the final verdict. Jesus is saying, do not close the book on people's final character and their life. Then he gives us a lot of reasons why we should not condemn, right? For one thing, we do not have all the facts. We do not know all of the circumstances of that person, right? We do not know all of that's going on in that person's heart. So Jesus says, therefore, we cannot make an accurate verdict of that person. This is not our job. Our job is not to say, that person is going to hell. That person is absolutely impossible. That person is rotten to the core. That's not our job. But another reason why we should not condemn is that the same ruler or tape measure we use on other people will be used on us. Verse 2, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I don't know about you. But if that's going to be the case, my measuring stick is mercy. <laughs> my measuring stick is grace. Shouldn't this frighten us out of condemning business? But yet another reason. One more. More often than not, we like to admit, more often than not than we like to admit, our judgment of others is but a reflection of our own sin. Let me say that again. The judgment of others is but a reflection of our own sin. Verses 3 and 4. The speck that I see in your eyes is but a reflection of the log that I see in my eyes. It's very possible that the disgust I see in me, though I do not face it, is projected unto you. Let me say that again, okay? The disgust I see in me, though I do not face it, is projected unto you. One of the things that I rail against is pride. You know why? When I see it, I go, oh my goodness, I can't believe this person. You know why? Because I struggle with pride too. I struggle with pride. So perhaps the reason 
why that person is so abrasive to you. Perhaps the reason why you just can't get along is there is a character trait that you see in them. Actually, it's in you, but you see it in them, and it is loud. Second way in which we do not want to be treated is verses 5 and 6. You hypocrites. First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. This is the other side of the coin, if you will. Okay. Take the speck out of your brother's eyes. He is saying maybe, just maybe, there is something there. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. You see, we owe it to each other to check in with each other so that we don't go off the rail, so that we're not off track, right? A Christian life has never been about the Lone Ranger life. How well are you connected? Do you have people that know you? I mean, know you. Not, not, not the projection, right? Not what you see in the, in, in, the, in the public realm, if you will. But how many people know you, right? Know you in, your, in, in the closets, if you will. How many people do you allow to know you in those corners of your life? And when they do get to know you, do you give them permission to speak to you? It's just that we have to look at ourselves in the mirror to see if we ourselves are on track. Do not give dogs, verse 6, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Meaning, don't lose reverence of holy things, right? Don't lose reverence of holy things. It's hard to believe, but uh, there was a, f- uh, a phase in my life where I was pretty rebellious to a point, actually, dad, my dad had a conversation like, son, this isn't exactly what he said, but in essence, he basically said, you're, you're dead to me. <laughs> He's, you're dead to me. Probably, he probably said it out of anger. You know, I was, I was doing stupid things. Um, and I remember one of my high school friends who we were in the youth group and, uh, you know, we accepted Christ uh, at the same retreat and all this stuff. And so we were at our high school, Glenbrook South High School, go Titans. Um, you have no idea who they become. <laughs> okay, anyway. In the middle of the cafeteria, he came to me and said, hey, Inho, man, what's going on? And he's trying to pull me back, right, pull me back. I'm off the rail, and, and, you know, Kevin is trying to pull me back, and I just exploded. I just exploded on him. Like, who do you think you are? You think you're such a holy person. (laughs) You know, I just exploded. Because I, I knew there was a, what he was telling me was the truth, right? 
I knew his intentions were good, but I just, I just couldn't handle it at that point. Right? It was a holy thing. It was a holy moment. I just couldn't handle that. And sometimes that happens, right? You have a good intention, and you want the best for the other person, right? And you want them to take your advice because, man, it is not only biblical, but rationally, it's logical. Uh, it is, it's a good advice. You, you, you want that person to pick that up and make it their own, right? But brothers and sisters, it's up to them to actually pick it up and embrace it and live it. You can't live their life, right? And so even if they explode on you, you got to leave it. Leave it there because it's up to them. You're not the Savior. Did you know that? You're not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. I'm not. And you're not. There's freedom especially those that are closest to us. Because, man, this is such a good advice. This is so good. You know, 10 years down the line, you can, you can clearly see it. You can clearly see where the destination is, right? If you, if you take this advice and you follow it, this prescription, if you will, boy, are you, you're going to be healthier, but it ain't yours. Right? You can't live their life. They have to be the one. And sometimes they trample on it and they turn to attack you. And you're going to have to be okay with that. Because what is our job? Our job is to gently guide them and point them in the direction. And perhaps if they allow you, for you to walk with them and guide them and be a support. That's our role. But we're not the Savior. We're not going to change anybody's eternal destiny on, on our own strength. That's not going to happen because we're not the Savior. But if they throw spit at you and, you know, I don't know, put a nail in your hands, that's what, <laughs> I guess that's what's got to be, <laughs> right? If it's good enough for Jesus, <laughs> That was a dark, <laughs> that was a dark humor. I'm sorry. Right? But that's, that's what it is. That's the cost. That's the cost of friends. Can I tell you, like, how do you know if you're a good friend? Right? How do you know if you're a good friend? When they tell you not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. And that's a hard thing. Right? But you can't just be like, Yo, 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 bro, I got the truth bomb. Here it is, boom, and then you take off, right? That, like, that's not really loving. But you want a, a, a gentle, hey, this is the truth. If you accept it, I, even if you don't accept it, I'm going to walk with you. I'll be here. I'm going to love on you. Like, I know this is not what you want to hear, but this is what you need to hear. Because this is the truth. And I'm because I love you, I'm here for the long haul. Well, I don't know about you, but 
I only have maybe less than five people in my life that are, that are like that in my life. And you, it's not about quantity, but it's about the quality of those friendships and people in your life. Remember that, right? Like in junior high and high school, even in college, oh, like you want to be known and you want to have lots of friends. Well, that's great. But when, the, when stuff happens, okay, if you will, allow me, I'll, you know, I'll ask for forgiveness. When, when poop hits the fan, okay, who's going to be there? When you got to pick up a phone, right, at 2 a.m., who are you going to dial? And who do you know that's actually going to pick up? You know what I'm saying? And I'm saying, you have to be that friend if the Lord leads you. You have to be that person that speaks truth. Not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear in a loving way. Don't, do, don't just do a, a truth bomb and walk away. That's not very loving, right? But you have to be. Third way we want to be treated is in verses 7 through 11. Ask, seek, and knock. And it sounds, shouldn't this be more part of chapter 6 when Jesus was teaching his disciple how to, pl- uh, how to pray? For everyone who asks, receives. And, and, and the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. And you notice that in verse 8, there are no qualifiers. If you clean up prior to, or if you, uh, you know, you were tithing consistently, or there, you, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's no qualifier. He simply says, ask, seek, and knock. How do you want to be treated? Not to be condemned, written off, right? Because God's not done with me. God's not done with you. One day, okay, this is fake, but <laughs> one day it will be gold. You'll be golden. That's the title of the sermon, if you Golden, right? Why? Because there is, you are so valuable. So much so that Jesus says, you know what? Because you're so valuable, I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to die for you because you are so valuable. And when we are off the rail, secondly, to be gently called back to the center, to reminding us of what really is sacred, what the holy things are, the important things, Things that we, so that we don't go off the rail. And you know when you're off the rail, right? You're short-tempered. Perhaps you're giving the bird, okay, to other other mortars. Hopefully you're not doing that. Uh, But I know I'm off the rail. I may not say it out loud, but I'm swearing in my head. And according to Jesus, it's sort of, it's the same thing. I'm thinking the worst in people. Man, I can't believe 
those people. We always say those people. Who are those people? No, not me, <laughs> right? I can't believe that person. W- when we start pointing fingers, thinking that we're better, we're on a different level playing. Oh, they're such a this and I'm this. That's when we're off the rail. Because all have sinned, brothers and sisters. All have sinned. That we would have people in our lives that would pull us back to the center. Put, put us back on track. Then, finally, we need people that would pray for us. Seek, ask, knock. No qualifiers. Seek, ask, knock. Listen, I needed Nathan's prayers. I I needed my friend's prayers when my father passed away. I mean, three service in like two days, that's a tough task for anybody. Not, Not to mention my own emotion, not to mention sort of being pointed as the, the family minister for our, for our family members, right? That, that's a tough, you know, I'm, I'm thinking through, oh, man, I'm, I'm an orphan now. Like, what does that mean? And Like, how do I minister to, to my siblings and my, you know, my, my aunts and uncles? But, like, I got to minister to me too. And how, how do you do that, right? I, I, need, I really needed wisdom. I needed people to pray for me. But don't we want that? Don't we want people to be praying for you? Majority of my ministry, the effectiveness of our my ministry, or however way what I have I've accomplished, is because I was flying on the wings of people's prayer. My mom was a prayer warrior. My dad was a prayer warrior. As I was reminded uh, at the funeral, my aunts are prayer warriors. They, they kept on, you know, my dad was one of nine. And so I have, I have lots of aunts and uncles. And they all were coming up to me and saying, hey, you know, we're praying for you every day. At, at 5 o'clock at morning prayer, Korean, Korean churches, there's morning prayers every day, 5 o'clock, right? I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Fly on that wing. We need people that would pray for us. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. How should we treat other people? Like they're golden, baby. Because you're golden. God sees the value in you. Don't ever forget that. And if someone this week need to be reminded that they are so valuable, Although this is a fake and plastic, right? Hey, here's a plastic gold coin for you. Why? Because God loves you. You have an inherent value in you, so much so that this creator of this universe died for you. Or maybe you'll find the same pants that you're wearing a couple weeks down the road, and it'll pop up and it'll be a reminder saying, hey, we live by the golden rule that I'm valuable, that that everyone here on this planet is valuable. And I want to treat them the way that I want to be treated in all circumstances. 
hopefully we're praying for one another. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you give such, such valuable lessons of life, a tangible way for us to treat other people the way that we want to be treated, Lord God. God, help us to apply this today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Amen.